Well, good morning. I really appreciate Troy reading that uh, scripture reading for us. Um, uh, he asked me, or I asked him, I said, do you want a long one or a short one? And he didn't answer me. <laughs> so that's what you get. That's... <laughs> no, I really do appreciate that. That's, that is the scripture that I wanted to open our studies with today. Luke chapter 4, verses 1 through 13. And because Troy just read it, I won't read it again with you. But I do want to call your attention to what we just read. And that is that Jesus was tempted by the devil. And he overcame him. He resisted the temptations that the devil threw at him. He overcame them through understanding of the Scripture, but there was something else there as well that helped Jesus to overcome the temptations that Satan was throwing at him, and that is the very fact that Jesus not only understood and knew the Word of God, but He understood Satan himself. The Word of God is not silent about the enemy that we face in the spiritual battle we're fighting. The enemy is Satan. And we tend in our studies... To focus on the truth of God concerning salvation and eternal life and the fact that we're fighting a spiritual battle, but it seems like it's a rare thing that we actually spend time detailing the enemy and understanding his strengths, understanding his weaknesses, and understanding how we can best fight him so that we can win and overcome him through Christ. And so we're going to begin today the first of three lessons about Satan. This one is all about what Satan isn't. And notice the the contraction at the end of that, what Satan isn't. Because I think sometimes we attribute far more to Satan than he's actually capable of. Sometimes I think that we think of him as a sort of evil God, if you catch that idea. Satan in the Scriptures is set as the leader of the armies opposing God. And our rational minds assume that Satan and God, because they're opposed to each other and each going to fight a battle, it it seems like they should at least be somewhat evenly matched against each other. There should at least be some contest there. And so Satan must be, without looking at the Scriptures, you know, we might assume that he would be at least somewhat able to compete. At least somewhat able to put up a fight against God. If you're a comic book fan, you might recognize, remember Superman, and then there was the alter ego Bizarro Man, right? There was Superman and Bizarro Man, and each of them had all of the the strength and the power and all these things, but they were sort of at opposite ends of the spectrum. Sometimes we think of God and the devil that way, that God is the good side and Satan is the evil side, both of them equal in power and and in might, and they're going to clash and God says He's going to win. But I don't know about you, but sometimes I think, well, it'll be just barely. It'll be a real real nail-biter and all this stuff, and it's going to be a really good fight. Well, I think that gives far too much credit to the devil. Far too much credit is given to him that way because the Scriptures present God and Satan with very many differences. For the time being, for this morning, we're going to set aside the stark differences in character between God and Satan. And instead, we're going to focus on the differences in their abilities, 
in their knowledge, and in their very being. The scriptures present God as being three things, big words. If you're familiar with them, you've heard them before. If not, I'll give you a short description. Three things that He's omnipresent. It means God's in all places at all times. Omnipresent. The scriptures also describe God as omnipotent. All-powerful. And they describe Him as being omniscient. Having all knowledge and understanding. There's nothing that you can teach God because He already knows everything. Literally everything. Even the things we have yet to discover. And as we consider Satan together, it's important for us to realize that the Scriptures teach that Satan isn't any of those things. He falls dramatically short when compared with God. Satan, beginning our our look at this, Satan is not omnipresent. He is not in all places at all times. Now, God is in Psalm chapter uh, Psalm 139 verses 7 through 10. There's written there, where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in Sheol, behold, you're there. If I take the wings of the dawn, if I dwell in the remotest part of the sea, even there, your hand will lead me and your right hand will lay hold of me. The scriptures present God as in all places at all times. Remember Jonah? Uh, Jonah, he tried to run from God in Jonah chapter 1 verse 3. Found out that God's in the sea too. And God controls all those big fish. And he got swallowed up. So there was nowhere to run from God. God is in all places at all times. But concerning Satan, there's some key verses I want you to pick up on. One is part of our scripture reading this morning. Luke chapter 4 verse 13. When the devil had finished every temptation, he left him until an opportune time. You realize that that means at that very moment, Satan was not where Jesus was. Satan was somewhere else until a more opportune time. Same thing with James chapter 4, verse 7 concerning us today. Submit therefore to God, resist the devil. And he will flee from you. And so the same thing that happened to Jesus can happen to us concerning the devil. And that is, if we resist him with the power and wisdom of God, he will flee from us. That means he will not be where we are. But God always is. That's a powerful truth. God is always with us when we stand with Him. Satan will run away. And he will no longer be there. You won't have to deal with him, at least until a more opportune time arises. I want you to pick up, though, on something else. Job chapter 1, verse 7. Turn over there with me. Job chapter 1. Job chapter 1, verse 7. Job's before Psalms. So, Job chapter 1, in verse 7, there's an exchange between God and Satan. And I think that the conversation that they have tells us more than Satan would like us to know about him. Job chapter 1 and verse 7. 
The Lord said to Satan, from where do you come? And then Satan answered the Lord and said, from roaming about on the earth and walking around on it. That might not sound profound to you at first glance, but it certainly is. You see, if you asked God the same question, his answer would be something similar to the end of Jeremiah 23, 24, where he says, do I not fill the heavens and the earth? You see, if you ask God, where did you come from? He would look at you with this stare and say, don't I fill everything? Am I not in all places at all times? What do you mean? Where did I come from? I haven't moved. I'm always here and always there and always everywhere. That question has no point to ask God. But when he asks Satan, what does he say? He doesn't say, well, I'm everywhere. I'm always here. He says, no, I've been on the earth roaming around on it. You know where he is when God asks him the question? He's standing before God. You know what that means? He wasn't on earth anymore. He is limited. He is limited by location. That's important. I don't know about you, but it seems like everybody thinks that they're dealing with Satan at the same time. Right? Everybody says, well, the devil made me do this, or, or the devil sure is working on me. Or, and everybody at the same time across the earth may say, well, the devil's really working on me. It's important to realize it's probably not actually the devil in all those places. It may be your own desires that you're fighting against. It may be just general temptation. It may be... I don't know, perhaps a demon is there to tempt you, but but who knows? But the idea is that Satan is limited by location. He cannot be in two places at the same time. And he's certainly not everywhere at all times. Because he's not omnipresent. He's not God. And he's certainly not evil God. He is limited by location. The second, Satan is not omnipotent. That means he's not all powerful. Concerning God, the scriptures have a lot to say about his power. Uh, I'll read you a couple of passages, but then stick with Job chapter 1 because we're going to come back there. Jeremiah 32, 27 says, Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is anything too difficult for me? That's a rhetorical question, and oddly enough, a lot of the places where God's absolute power is asserted, it's done in that way, through a rhetorical question when God says, is anything too difficult for me to do? Do you really think I can't do that? That's how He does it more often than not. But then in Job 42, verses 1 and 2, Job speaks to God, and he says in verse 2, I know that you can do all things, and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. That's important, because later God says Job spoke what was right concerning God. And Job said, I know that you can do all things. The scriptures are very clear. The Lord is all powerful. Nothing is too difficult for him. When God has a purpose, he can accomplish it without checking with anyone. But I said, keep your finger in Job 1, and let's go to Job 1, verse 11. Job, or not Job, but Satan and God are discussing Job. And, uh, and Satan wants to harm Job. And, and so here in 
Job 1 verse 11, Satan says, But put forth your hand now, and touch all that he has, and he will surely curse you to your face. And then the Lord said to Satan, Behold, all that he has is in your power, only do not put forth your hand on him. So Satan departed from the presence of the Lord. Again, bound by location. Had to leave the presence of the Lord to get to Job. That's interesting. But anyhow, here we are. God says, only do not put forth your hand on him. I would underline that, put a box around it, star it, do whatever you're going to do. Because that's a place where God told Satan, no, you can't do this to my servant. And in the following verses, you find Satan doing everything up to, but falling just short of what God said he can't do. He never harmed Job in that first attack. Took everything he had, yes. Because that's what God said Satan was allowed to do. That's where Satan's authority came to a halt. And he no longer had the authority to touch Job. Job chapter 2 then, verse 4. Satan answered the Lord and said, Skin for skin. Yes, all that a man, he had, all that a man has, he will give for his life. However, put forth your hand now and touch his bone and his flesh and he will curse you to your face. And so the Lord said to Satan, Behold, he is in your power. Only spare his life. And then Satan went out from the presence of the Lord and smote Job with sore boils from the sole of his foot to the crown of his head. But you know the one thing he couldn't do? Couldn't kill him. Why? Because God said, you can't kill him. It's not within your realm of authority to end Job's life. You can do whatever you want to Job, but you cannot kill him. And so Satan did everything he could to Job, but he didn't kill him. You know why? Because Satan is not omnipotent. He does not have all power. He has... and. and Listen to me just for a second. He has only the authority to do the things God has allowed him to do. And let me help you understand that because that can be something troubling. Sometimes that can tinge our understanding of God and his goodness. And we think, well, if he's a good God, how can he give authority to Satan to do all of these evil things and all these terrible things to us and to everyone on the earth? Think about you and me. Think about the human race. God created us just as He created Satan. He created us and He gave us authority, didn't He? In the Garden of Eden, He gave us authority. Today, we have authority and the authority that He's given us is the authority to make choices. To make moral choices. Either for good or for evil. But he's given us that authority to make our own decisions. And there's a lot of suffering in the world because a lot of people choose things that are evil. But that's not a reflection on God's goodness and it's not an not a insult or, or a harm to his character. It is a harm to the character of those who perform evil. The same thing is true with the authority that God gives to Satan. He gives authority to Satan to 
behave in certain areas and make choices in certain areas. Like here, he gave him authority to behave and make choices in the life of Job. First, he was not able to touch Job the man at all. And Satan chose to do all the evil that he could to Job. And then second, he was allowed to touch the man, but not to end his life. And so he did all the evil that he could to Job without ending his life. It's not a reflection on God. It's a reflection on the pure evil that Satan is. And what he does when he has the option to choose. But it's also important that we recognize the subject we're dealing with. What Satan isn't. Satan isn't all powerful. He is limited by God. He has to go and ask God for his authority to do anything. Luke chapter 22 verse 31. The Lord said, Simon, Simon, indeed Satan has asked for you. I really like the way that Jesus says that. Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. Asked for you is about asking permission from someone with greater authority than yourself. Satan simply, he couldn't simply act against Peter and do things to him that were wrong or evil. He had to ask God for the authority to affect his life. Satan had to obtain permission from God because he's not all-powerful. Satan is not omnipresent. He certainly is not omnipotent. His existence is limited by location and he is limited in his power and authority by God himself. But there's one last thought to consider about what Satan isn't. And this one, I don't know if you've really thought about this way, but... You're going to have to walk with me a little bit through the Scriptures. Satan is not omniscient. He does not know everything that there is to know like God does. There are plenty of passages that detail God's complete and total knowledge. Uh, I'll give you them if you want to write them down. Psalm 147 verses 4 and 5. And Hebrews chapter 4 verse 13. Those are two that I would read along with Job chapter 38 through 41. Those places display God's great knowledge that is far beyond our own, and and it proves that He knows everything that there is to know, even beyond what is currently known. But Satan isn't that way. Satan is not that way. His understanding, his knowledge is not complete like God's is. Look at 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 20. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 20 teaches us something about the plan that God had for Christ to come and save us. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 20 says, For He, that's Christ, was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but has appeared in these last times for the sake of you, who through Him are believers in God, who raised Him from the dead and gave Him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. So God planned the sacrifice of Christ for Him to 
be the sacrifice for our sins before the foundation of the world. Before anything was created, God already knew that Jesus would be our Savior. And many times through the Old Testament, He referenced that plan to sacrifice Christ and even the specific manner in which He would be sacrificed. In Psalm 22, verses 14 through 18, we have details that are undeniably correct about the crucifixion of Christ. Down to verse 16, they pierced my hands and my feet. And verse 18, they divide my garments among them. And for my clothing, they cast lots. Those are pieces of the crucifixion mentioned in the Old Testament. And anybody who had knowledge of God's plan would have figured that out at that moment. But God says he hid it. He hid it. John chapter 2, verse 19. Jesus answered them, destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. Anybody who had knowledge of God's plan would have picked up on that in an instant just like the disciples did after the resurrection of Christ. Once they saw the way that was going to play out, then it registered with them. Verse 21, He was speaking of the temple of His body. So when he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he said this, and they believed the scripture and the word which Jesus had spoken. They understood it once it was done. But here's the point. Anyone who had knowledge of God's plan would have clearly understood what Jesus was saying just like those disciples did. After he was raised. And if Satan had known. The plan of God. He never ever. Would have played such an important role. In its execution. And I say that so that we can call to mind. John chapter 13 verse 25 through 27. It's at the last supper with his disciples. And he's just said that one of them will betray him. And, and they all want to know, you know, John's leaning back on him. He says, who is it? And he says, it's the one whom I'll dip and give the morsel to. And so he gives it to Judas Iscariot in verse 26. And then John 13, 27, after the morsel, Satan then entered into him. That's Judas. Therefore, Jesus said to him, what you do, do quickly. Satan would never have played so direct a role in the sacrifice of Christ if he understood the salvation that would come as a result. His being is about helping and, and trying to force us to deny God and deny Christ and deny everything that He's brought to us and curse Him to His face. It's what He wanted Job to do. It's what He wants us to do today. He's going to do everything he can to make that happen. But he certainly never would have helped open the door to salvation for every person, not only who existed in that time, but who exists across all time. Never would he have played so direct a role if he had all knowledge about what was going to happen and how. I think that's really solid. That makes a lot of sense. He would not have done that. And so we know that Satan is not omniscient. 
He is not all-knowing. And the Scriptures prove it to be true. Because the knowledge of God's plan was hidden from Him, just as it was hidden from all others, until the resurrection of Christ. Satan is not evil God. He's not bizarro God. He's not God at all. His existence is limited by location. His power is limited by the will of God. And His knowledge is finite. Where God's is infinite. He is not God's match in any category. In every conceivable way, God is greater than Satan. And so that last battle... It's not going to be much of a battle. Not when you're dealing with the all-powerful, all-knowing, ever-present God and a finite being. Don't give more credit to Satan than he's due. Don't let him be in places that he's not. And realize that more than likely, you aren't dealing with Him today. More than likely, your struggles are against your own desire. They're against the things that surround you in this world. But because Satan is limited by location, you're probably not dealing with him directly. Don't give him more credit than he's worth. Next week, we're going to talk about what Satan is. And we need to be very careful this week because we've done a lot of, a lot of tearing down of some misconceptions that we might have about Satan. But that doesn't mean we should dismiss him as irrelevant or unintelligent. Next week we're going to talk about what Satan is. And there will be a sense of fear associated with that because he is very clever. But today, put away your misconceptions if you have them. Our faith and our hope are in God. And He is the Master and King of all creation. And He has provided the way for us to be saved through the sacrifice of His Son, according to His ingenious plan. And so today, if you're here and you need to obey that plan, if you've heard the Gospel and you believe its message, and you're ready to repent of your sins and confess Jesus as Lord before us, be baptized in His name for the forgiveness of your sins, we will help you in that. We have all the things necessary for that, and we will... We will help you and aid you in your obedience to the gospel. So please, if you're ready to do that this morning, don't leave without making it known. And if you're a Christian who needs help, if you need prayer or strength from your brethren, from your family, don't leave without receiving it. If you have a spiritual need of any kind this morning, we ask that you make it known by coming forward as we stand and sing this song.